Hi, this is Mary, and welcome to my podcast, Mental State, where I dive into all things mental health and more. So today I have on my podcast my friend Jacqueline, and we like to talk about attachment styles. And the other day, Jacqueline was sharing about her own attachment style, which is anxious. And so she wanted to come onto the show and share a little bit about herself and her anxious attachment style. So Jacqueline, what is the story that you want to share? I wanted to share a personal story around my inner anxious attacher. And I remember, Mary, like years ago, I was, this was before I'd gone to grad school. I'd done a lot of work on myself. I mean, I'd really had been in therapy for over a decade at that point. I'd done a lot of self-help groups. I'd I was doing multiple things multiple times a week. So I was working very hard, but I hadn't tapped into the attachment piece. And I think that's really important because I still like my love life, the dating life, like was not changing. I was ending up in the same spot. And part of my pattern was meeting people who I was always like more advanced than. And so I was never really growing and just kind of getting hurt over and over and just feeling like basically stunted in growth. And I meet this guy met him online. We had a great date, like an amazing first date. He says it. I say it. It's incredible. We go out on date two. Date two is a little awkward or wonky. And I don't know if it was for him, but for me it was because I was feeling my anxiety about already the expectations. And But still overall, it was a good date. We made out at the end of the date. And he told me (laughs) at the end of the first date, okay? But but we also, again, made out at the end of the second date. And I already knew he was getting ready to go out of town for, I think, some weddings or like a little bit of travel for a couple of weeks. And I started feeling my anxiety and I went to check his dating profile just to, you know, feel the connection with this person who had followed up with some, you know, he followed up after the second date. But it was all a bit ambig- ambiguous because he was gone for a few weeks. And I noticed he had changed his one of his pro pictures. And man, I was so triggered because in my head, it was, you change your picture. That means like, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to play around? Like, what do you, you know, I was very, I was really upset. And so I texted him the minute I saw him, basically, and, you know, asked him about like, oh, I noticed like you've changed your picture. Like, what's up with that? I'm feeling confused. And he wrote back like, Within 24 hours, like it was in a timely response and said, I don't really know what to say, but I like you. We've only been on two days and that's kind of it. And, and then I had to tolerate my anxiety for the two weeks that he was away. And I, Oof. it was, it was so rough. It was so rough. I remember I was so, I couldn't get it out of my brain. I couldn't stop talking about it to all my friends. And I just, I was obsessed. And I was also doing my work around my side of the whole thing. And I realized I kind of like jumped the gun a little. And by this time, he finally circled back around and he was kind enough to actually say, hey, you know, thanks so much for your time. But, you know, ultimately, I just don't quite feel we're a match. And and I had apologized for my behavior at that point. And he was just like, you know, it's 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 really like no big deal. Better that we kind of found out now that we might just not be like compatible. And it was the first time I had walked away from a man in a really long time, like definitely over a decade where I thought, okay, I don't think I'm the healthy one. Sure, <laughs> like that person might not be me. And what can I learn from this situation? And it took me a long time to understand that 
while like the trigger of, you know, this person, everyone walks into relationships differently. But my way was once I'm in, you need to meet me at the same pace. And that is it. And I didn't even understand at the time that that was actually anxiety. Mm. Like it only was through my work around anxious attachment that I was able to understand now, like when I date people, like maybe that person means nothing about it. Like they just got bored and changed their picture. It had been two dates. Even if you're all in, is it healthy to be all in after two dates? Like, you know, uh, there's more than just that one side, but it was definitely like such a marker of how my anxious attacher can show up in dating. You know, I think we've all, at least I'm not going to speak for everyone, but I know that I've experienced something very similar to that. And I think that it's so interesting to think about how anxiety shows up in relationships. And also, what's the difference or is there a difference between having a lot of anxiety in a relationship and being somebody who is anxiously attached? Yes. This is something that, okay, I talk about a lot. There is a difference between anxious behaviors or avoidant behaviors Mm -hmm. or disorganized behaviors and actually being that attachment. And so we know that attachment style lies on a scale, right? Like all of us have a certain amount of security and a certain amount of anxiety. You know, it could be like I'm 60% secure with, you know, 20% anxiety and, you know, the other 20% avoidant. Exactly. (laughs) Or maybe it's 10% avoidant and 10% disorganized, which is the push-pull, right? And so while you can do an anxious behavior, right, Mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean you have anxious attachment. Maybe the other person, I came to find out, by the way, years later, that this person does run a little more avoidant. So that makes sense that not because I run anxious, my anxiety is going to be triggered more so by somebody who runs more avoidant, right? Like that's going to, it's going to bring that up in me. And I would say the difference is people who run anxious, like if we look at, like I always consider it the guard dog, whose job, what is a guard dog's job? Never to rest, right? No naps, no rest for the weary. It's always danger at every turn. What can I be concerned about? Like what's going on? Like I've got to clock everything, whether it's a mild worry or an intense worry, or Tigger from Winnie the Pooh. It's that, that's the lo- people pleaser. Love me, love me, love me, love me. I'm so excited and so enthusiastic. And I always, always think about like the bounce that Tigger mm-hmm. does. It's like pushing down the anxiety. And the minute the anxiety comes up, boop, Tigger bounces out and the guard dog is in there, right? Mm. Like that's the kind of epitome of an anxious attack. I love that visual of the anxiety and Tigger pushing it down. And then when the, when Tigger bounces out of it, that the guard dog shows up. That's such a cool thing to think about when thinking about anxiety, how that shows up. You know, anxious attachers, their central nervous system, you know, we have the parasympathetic nervous system, which is I'm relaxed, I'm calm. And then we have the sympathetic nervous system, which is more looking out for alert. The sympathetic nervous system is almost chronically dysregulated with anxious attachers. So we need more of that parasympathetic nervous system, the relaxation. And that is why people who run anxious often feel exhausted because Mm. they're running off anxiety. Fumes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Adrenaline versus actual energy, right? And when you come down from anxiety and start to act, interact with the world, through the world like normally, I remember when I first started doing this, I was like, oh. I was tired a lot. And I realized that's because I wasn't running off anxiety. I was actually connected to what my body felt. And I was able to learn to sleep more. 
as the guard dog started to soften, right? It, it was able to relax. And kind of just like trust you to show up more for yourself, right? And I think that your example is such a great example of that dating example, because I think that somebody who is securely attached can feel like that doesn't feel good. That person changed their profile picture. What's going, you know, what is that? And then can also like separate themselves from it and say like, oh, of course, you know, we've only gone out on two dates. They're going to a bunch of weddings. Kind of know what that means, right? At least like, oh, I want to make, you know, this person sounds like he probably wants to make himself available to other Mm -hmm. people while he's at weddings and not have to be, you know, obligated, right? And so, which makes sense when years later you found out that the person was avoidant. When you were first telling me the story, I was like, I bet you that person. (laughs) And so like, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to like put all my eggs in one basket. So, but that's, it's so interesting. Just like, I feel like a secure, somebody who's securely attached has more of a choice. Yes. Where somebody who has that anxious attachment, it doesn't feel like that there's a choice. It doesn't feel like that there's space to make a choice around what you're going to do with that person. Because again, it's like that hook. It's like you're hooked in. You, you got attached. The person, I bet you, you felt really validated, especially after that first date. It probably felt like really validating to you, really good. Oh, yeah, because anxious attachments are looking for the Mm -hmm. external validation. It's almost, while it's wonderful and beautiful to want to be connected to others, the world around us, it's like that external bicep is so strong, it's overly reliant. The internal bicep Mm -hmm. of learning to not just trust others, but trust self is the weaker one. That's that's the one that's atrophied. So that work in strengthening the inside is going to be crucial to bring you into that balance, that equilibrium, and that secure attachment to say, oh, I trust others, but I know when I have that fear intelligence that we talked about. Like, I know when to say, well, something's off here. And I also trust myself to make right. my own decision. And, you know, I constantly hear actually anxious attachers talk about how they don't feel like they have a choice, right? Like when conflict comes up, the distress comes in, anxious attachers feel really beholden and feel like they have to stay. So, Nervous system regulation is going to be really important around bringing you back to that place where you have that kind of free will, because that's when you're in the secure place, which is what's beneath the survival response. Anxiety, fight, is in a survival response. So we got to get beneath the anxiety to feel, what is the pain here? What's the hurt here? And is it really about the other person? Or is it about something going on within me right now? And also, like, when I'm thinking about, I just keep going back to your example. I, I, love such example. A good, I love that example so much. And and when you're talking about, like, well, what's going on with me? I'm also wondering, like, from an attachment lens, and we're looking at this through an anxious attachment lens, and normally anxious attachers aren't really checking in with themselves. I'm just curious, like, what was your experience? Like, did you feel like you were ever checking in with yourself? Like, what's going on with me? Or were you more externally focused on him and his experience of you? You know, somebody said this to me years ago, and it took me a long time to understand (laughs) it. She kept saying to me, Jacqueline, but what do you feel about the person? And I'd be like, I don't understand what you're talking about. They're doing A, B, C, D, C. I I feel fine. I just want them to be with you. And, and, And those things are like that anxiety feels like a feeling and we can often mix it up with. Yes. Right. I was like, I'm just with this person versus Mm -hmm. how do I feel about what this person is doing? Do I like that? Maybe I don't like that. 
that might not work for me. But I didn't know how to be embodied. And I believe what I see with people who run more anxious is because when you start facing that side of yourself that says, oh, I feel this, it, it triggers the fact that there might be more distance between you and that person. And the distance is what creates the distress people who run more anxious. It, now I've got a grip on. I can't let go, right? The tigger comes out or the guard dog. Like, I just, I got a grip no matter what, right? And so that is why, like, learning to build that internal strength that avoidance have almost overly developed. It's the opposite, right? The mm-hmm. yin to the yang is so important because you're going to have to learn how to hold yourself through those times of distance. Otherwise, you're always going to be, how do I say, beholden to the person. You're never going to be consciously choosing your partner. And also, like what really what comes up a lot when we talk about anxious attachers is that like you're constantly in this state of hyper arousal. Yeah. And so when you're when you're like, oh, is the person going to text? Are they going to call? Are they going to, you know, whatever? Are they going to validate me? And then once you get validated, there's a bit of a calm feeling, right? But it doesn't last very long. Oh, no, it could go straight into, well, I don't like that this person did that. Or I don't know how I feel about this thing. You know, it can, that's also yeah. the guard dog. Of, I don't know if I like that. Da, 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 da. And like, what can I say to that person or do? Like, and now I need answers in this way because the unpredictability is the trigger, right? The anxious type is looking for control in some way in order to feel safe, mm-hmm. right? So dating, especially the beginning stages, is inherently unpredictable, right? We don't know what's going to happen. You could be seeing five people. You could be getting back together with an ex or, you know, who knows? Or your feelings just change for someone, right? Anxious types have a hard time tolerating that unpredictability. And I will say in my case, that was definitely like I wanted that security back from the other person to then be able to be safe enough to feel all my my doubts. I mean, I have to say when you were telling me that story of like, going out on a couple of dates and then the person leaving for two weeks. My own anxiety, I have to admit, just was like, because I know what that what that feels like. And that what you were talking about, unpredictability can feel is so scary because I don't know when he's going to come back. Okay, he said he was going to come back in two weeks. Is he going to come? But when he does come back in two weeks, is he going to reach out? What am I going to do with all that time? And our second date wasn't as good as our first date. There was a lot of, there were awkward moments. I weren't, I wasn't sure about certain things that he had said. But that didn't matter. I think it triggered, it didn't matter in my head, but it triggered more anxiety as well as the knowing of the leaving. Like there were a few things that made it worse. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so not, and so knowing that he's leaving, it's like what you were talking about. It's. For anxious attachers, it's hard to tolerate that distance. Yeah. And so he was actually creating physical distance. And so it's just like, what am I gonna, what am I gonna do with that? And also, I mean, how did you manage? Because I've gone through that too. And it feels like so unmanageable. Oh my gosh, it feels so unmanageable. And I I use tools. I did not understand the tools that I now have, right? So it looked like doing, it was doing a lot of like kind of inventory around like my side, like looking at my side of the equation. It was reaching out to a lot of people and I've always been one for spiritual growth. So I was looking at like, how can I grow from this experience? And, but now I see it as the work is like, number one, you got to regulate that nervous system, which means like. For me in that case, it would have been doing continuous because I've been in that 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 situation since then where the person right. has pulled away. Yeah. 
and triggered my anxiety. And it might be all day long I have to focus on regulating in order to find that sense of centeredness. And I'll say like the growth can look like through as I got more secure, I was able to step into that part of when somebody would do that, like, how okay am I with this behavior? Like, what is my limit Mm -hmm. on what that looks like, as well as building the kind of capability to tolerate the the distance that comes with initial dating and my ability to say, I don't know about this person. Like, I like these things. I don't like these things, you know, to just be with that side of myself versus abandon. You know, the anxious attacher, they know no boundaries. It tends to be correlated with codependent. <laughs> yes. I love me. People you love me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. people pleasing can look like not just, oh, whatever you say, yes, we'll do, or I'm overly enthusiastic. It's also, I'm going to withhold my opinion or withhold being me because even that might create some distance and we don't like the distance, right? Or yeah, making up making excuses or justifying the other person's behaviors, if they're bad behaviors towards you. The difference between codependence and interdependence is interdependence, yes, good, secure, we want. That's a healthy reliance on other people. It's the ability to have boundaries and say, I'm, yes, I'm happy to make you happy. That's a wonderful thing. And I also know when I'm hitting my limit of this isn't okay for me. And I'm able to say that. Codependence is I sacrifice myself because the distance from the other person that I might receive if I say no or whatever that looks like is so intolerable to me that in essence, there's some fear of abandonment or maybe it's disrupting the status quo, like which is in essence underlying, like I'm scared of that distance. That's codependent. So whenever you see that side coming up in yourself of, oh, I'm doing this and I'm, I'm hearing the other side and it can be, it can be tricky. That's why I like the guard dog and the tigger because it can look like, well, I'm kind of curious about that. I do like this thing. So I like this part of it. So I should follow it, even though I also notice the side of me that says, I don't like this or this doesn't work for me. And the anxious type needs to strengthen that side. And then, of course, have the cushion beneath them to be able to tolerate when the distance comes up. Now, I think a lot of times what happens, what what messaging people give themselves is like, what's wrong with me? I can't believe I'm doing this again. And just like a lot of kind of like negative self-talk. And so we also want you to know that this isn't because based on this one person or this one relationship that you've had, this is foundational work. This is actually based on like your your neurobiology and how you were wired from basically the moment that you were born. So if you've had unpredictable caregivers in your life, you will probably develop an anxious attachment style. Yes, it, because it's associated with unpredictability. Mm-hmm. Now, Sometimes I have, I have people say to me, well, I grew up with a really happy childhood and yet I, I feel I have a lot of anxiety. What happened? You might have suffered some trauma throughout your life that pushed you more anxious uh, attachment and anxiety, I think is also Claire Bidwell-Smith talks about. She has a book out there and anxiety is the hidden stage of grief. And I truly believe that. And I think when we don't fully process yeah. Trauma, part of tra- processing trauma is through grieving and dealing with that pain. Anxiety comes up as that PTSD response, right? So trauma throughout life or a parent or a sibling with a chronic illness, for example. So again, the family could kind of be in that state of heightened anxiety. Is this the moment that something 
really bad is going to happen or it might be now, right? Like that can trigger anxiety, even if your caregivers gave you a lot of predictability, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what are some good tips for people who just how they can kind of move towards a more secure attachment style? You know, I'm going to give a, a really practical one that is, this is a good one. It's around social media. And that is do not be checking people's social media, right? Because the anxious attacher is looking for the connection. Oh, so every time, stalking. yeah, yeah, that is a boundary mm-hmm. violation in essence, yeah. right? You're looking for some connection when that person isn't reaching out to you. So every time you see yourself, it's, I love this one because it's so like tangible in the way of this is an action I see myself doing. When you see yourself wanting to just, just, you know, maybe use your burner account to look up somebody you shouldn't be looking up. I certainly have never done that. That's why I know yeah, that right? word. And it's still other people who told me. We've heard <laughs> stories. I've heard it exists. Yes, exactly. When you see yourself wanting to do that, that, what you can do then is stop, ask yourself what you're really feeling. And then I want you to, I always say, put on the hat of the curious observer. Try to experience what that's like in your body, right? And see if you can show up for yourself and ask yourself, what that part of you that's looking for connection needs from not just someone else, but from you. And then I want you to do your best to give yourself whatever that is. And that doesn't mean you're going to do it perfectly. The art of getting to secure attachment is through the act of trying. It doesn't mean the needs are always met. It doesn't mean it's perfect. And perfectionism is a symptom of anxious attachment. Mm-hmm. That's the fantasy. Yeah. Anxious attachers like a little fantasy. They want everything to be like peaches and roses <laughs> and chocolate chip cookies. I mean, and it's also so interesting, like stalking people's social media accounts or whatever it is that where you can, you know, see what the other person is doing. Yeah, I think that's so interesting, like that urge that comes up to do that when you were talking about connection, like, oh, I, you know, something about like, I need to feel connected to this person mm-hmm. or I need to know what they're doing. And just not only notice like what's going on in the urge, but if you do end up like investigating what's going, you know, what they're doing, looking at pictures, notice, even notice what that feels like in your body to do that. And notice if you've gotten any kind of level of satisfaction from that, because I'll admit I've stopped and it really does not provide me any joy. It actually makes me feel worse. It's about like, myself. It's like the kid in the candy store. Yeah, like, exactly. Ate all the chocolate when when mom wasn't looking through, and you're like, oh, now I want to throw up. Yeah, it can be like it felt good, and then it felt bad, like real quick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that you use that as the example as well, right? Because the whole point in developing that secure attachment is having the ability to feel the full range of emotion. So it's not clocking yourself as being perfect, right? It's more, how does this feel? How does that feel? And getting to know thyself and know what your personal needs are, right? Like that is going to lead you to the relationship that really works for you. Yeah. And I think as you, so we just used the first tip, which was don't check the social media. And as you start practicing that muscle of not checking social media, what you start to do is you start to build new neural connections in your Mm -hmm. brain. So the ones that, you know, you thought like, oh, this is what connection is going to feel like. And then it's going to feel terrible. Notice when you don't, what happens when you don't check the person's social media, 
Notice what it feels like after as well. And the more you don't do that, the more you're going to build those neural pathways and the more you're going to feel connected to yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. I really love that. The inner anxious attacher in me has got to share this with you before the end. You need to know. One thing that came up is around anxious attachment and like how how it would develop for, again, people who say, oh, I had a pretty happy life. And remember how I talked about it's on that, you know, a kind of scale, a spectrum. And when we experience some kind of rupture in attachment throughout our lives, which happens when we have trauma, it can bring up those insecure parts of us, right? So we can be, like I said, like 60% secure, and then you have 20% of anxiety, and all of a sudden the anxiety flares. So it might not have been that the anxiety was never there. It was just more deeply buried. And the beauty of it is when it comes up, then it's an opportunity to heal if you choose, right? And divorce, by the way, can also be a trauma, as we know, that can, again, throw someone into anxious attachment or like loss of a parent or sibling. And I just wanted to acknowledge those Loss as well. of friendships. Loss of friendship. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Any kind Any, of relationship. Mm-hmm. Mary and mm-hmm. I were talking about that before. Yeah. Is attachment is about anything we feel attachment to. To work, to love, to money, to sex, to friendships. Anything you care about. Right? Well, and, and anything that feels like it can cause chaos in your personal life. And I love how you talked about like, you know, like jobs and money. Cause, because when you lose a job or when you start to feel like, oh, I don't have as much money as I think I should have, it can start to like really cause a lot of internal chaos. And then you start to get really anxious and maybe accepting things that you would normally not accept in your life. I love that you said what this ability to cause chaos, because remember that Tigger is going to say, what? I love money or I love my work or I love this thing or I'm looking forward to the, the partner that will look like this. And beneath that surface, right, the tigger is pushing down the anxiety is really also that part that says, oh, this might cause chaos because that insecure part of us Mm -hmm. is really run by this isn't safe. This might be chaotic. How am I going to like navigate this? I must survive. Yeah. And also, oh, I think I'm having a brain fart. And why is Planet and Tigger just pushing down? I know, right? And so I was like, let me speak, let me speak. No, I literally forgot what I was about to say. Well, I'll say the anxious and the avoidant, it's like the yin to the yang. They run together. And Mary and I talk about how we both have a general sense of security. And in case you guys haven't noticed, I tend to lead with a little more anxiety. And Mary could lead with a little more avoidance. And sometimes, right, like you'll notice that dynamic play out oftentimes in dating, right? Because what the anxious attacher is doing is overly feeling the anxiety that the avoidant has, that the avoidant is suppressing. And now what the avoidant is doing is actually feeling some of the ambivalence that the anxious attacher has, but is suppressing, right? So they really go hand in hand. And that is why your work has to be to own the side of you that you're pushing down, which is kind of contrary because we go, oh, no, 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 I just, you know, like that feels bad. I want to push it away. And we got to lean into it in order. The healing is in the feeling. Mm-hmm. Did you remember? I didn't remember, but I think that's a really great place to end. The healing is. It really is. And for you anxious attachers, let's remember that the feeling is beneath that survival response. Right. We want to go in what's below the authentic response. And that brings us into alignment. 
right? And security is the ability to handle and tolerate the distress as well as the joy. And you anxious attachers need more joy in your life. So that's going to be my other tip. And I lean like, into the joy. Lean into the joy. Yeah. All right. Happy dating. I think it's really important to understand your attachment style, especially when it comes to relationships and dating. So if you have any questions about attachment style, relationships, dating, or anything mental health, you can DM me on my Instagram at Mary B Therapy or reach out, check out my website, marybtherapy.com. And thanks for listening.